0: Welcome to Timber Nook Tips. Welcome to Timber Nook Tips. Jeff Johnson here with Angela Hanscom. How are you, Angela?
1: I'm doing great
0: we've been we've been talking uh, for the last couple episodes about about when to step in when to intervene when to get involved in children's play and it, it reminded me of a quote uh, uh, from Elfie Cohen that Lisa Murphy likes to use a lot that terrific teachers have teeth marks on their tongues um, and I, I love the alliteration and I love the the visual that a lot of times our job as the adult is is biting our tongues and letting things play out and not intervening but every once in a while there's those 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 times where we need to step in now we've talked about stepping in with our physical proximity we've talked talked about stepping in and uh and kind of limiting play maybe maybe hey those pellets don't need to go quite that high into the tree or hey it's too slippery for sleds but you can slide on your butt uh those kind of things what kind of example do you have for us today
1: yeah. So I have an example that um, a another timber location gave me yesterday. Um, and she was talking about this child that was not um, engaging in the play at all, which was really interesting. So he would sit there and just observe. Um, and she said that it took him a lot longer than she thought for him to to engage in play. So they had all different sorts of play, like, um, you know, giant bubble experiences to like playing in the river, to, uh, you know, playing in the, the in nature in general. And <clears throat> he played in the river, but everything else he was just not interested. So he just um, sat there and just observed. And the teachers did a really good job of not like making him feel like he needed to, which is really important with play. As you know, it has to be a voice. They have to be um, motivated to do it. And indoors, interestingly enough, he, has no problem intervening, like um, um, intermingling with kids and talking to them and working on projects. But outside he was, he would go to his spot and sit in that same spot and just watch the kids play every day. And so the teachers did a really good job of being patient with him. It took from September to November before he intervened. But once he did, it was like a switch went off and he, um, he engages in everything. But if they hadn't been patient with him, now, if they had said, no, we think you should get up, why don't you do this? And, um, you know, what do you think would have happened?
0: Well, he, he would have, I mean, when you get pushed, you push back. And so he, he would have rebelled against it if he was, uh, uh, the normal human that I'm used to interacting with. Right.
1: Yeah. So I, I, and I love that. Like anytime there's anxiety, anytime there's sensory issues, there's, you know, there's often control, a control element. So Making a choice is so key for those children, and they did. And they were so patient. I mean, that was like watching them for two months of him sitting there, and then he was ready. So I guess my message with this is keeping in mind that it takes children, it takes children. Every child is different, and it takes some children a lot of time. And so the whole gift of giving them just time to be, um, and space, giving them space to do what they want to do at that moment is really key. So the thing that he was doing too, was he was observing. He observed, 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 and then he was ready. So I think that he could have been engaged through an observational role at that point. And that was what he was ready for too
0: yeah and i mean that um who is it i can't remember it's a a british guy one of he's got like 16 types of play and observer play is one of them there needs to i mean so so that's that's cool now i think that time frame is really interesting i was i was gonna jump in and ask how long this had been going on before you came up with two months and in a lot of settings a child just sitting there not doing anything for 20 minutes would push some teachers to their edge of 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 worry um and so their willingness to to let that go on for that long is is i mean that 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 amazes me and and i applaud it and it is delightful but a, a lot of people don't have that that willingness to to let that happen or or that that much confidence in the child and, and trust in the child to let it happen. Um, and I, am I'm, I'm guessing that's a learned skill as well, huh?
1: Yeah. Letting go. I think, yeah. Letting go of our expectations for certain children is really key as well. Yeah. Uh, and they, yeah.
0: And just being patient. And, yeah. I mean, if, 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 and, and so it's, it's remembering that these things need to happen on the child's time frame. And and not ours. And and sometimes the the adult time frame is is sped up just because of daily schedules and those kind of things. And especially in a lot of early learning settings, maybe not so much at at a timberneck timbernook type program, but in a traditional early learning classroom, there's you know there's a transition every thirty minutes or so. And so allowing a child enough time to get comfortable in in, in that time frame is is. A whole different experience than sitting in the woods for for two months waiting to to be ready to engage. Right.
1: Well, the other thing about that is even we see children all the time that come to TimberNook, and it might the the beginning of the day is they're observing for the first hour or two, and then they engage. So mm-hmm. that's another thing is you know making sure how much time are we giving them to to engage and play. Um, so.
0: Yeah. 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 And what the research seems to indicate is that big, big blocks of time is, is what they need. And, um, I I think maybe outside time changes outside, doesn't it? I mean, it, it seems easier to allow bigger hunks of time when you're outside than when you're, you're confined by four walls, or is that just me?
1: Yeah, no, it's true. It's just, um, it's like, I think was it Richard Louv that said that time stops when you're outside. Yeah. Um, but on another thing I want to mention is um, I saw on 1000 hours outside, there's like a, a A facebook group that someone had posted a picture of their two little boys um outside in the snow and they were just sitting there (laughs) and she she was like saying oh my gosh like it took 45 minutes of them just sitting there together before they started exploring the environment Uh and playing and so yeah just remembering that it there's a a good portion of time is just being comfortable in your environment um, yeah
0: yeah and and along these lines for most place scenarios, there is that preparatory time before the "quote-unquote" real play starts, that's part of the process. And when our our days are divided up into these time slots, where you've got 20 minutes in the block area, and then you can go to the paint area for 30 minutes or whatever it is, they don't have that time to to do that planning and do that settling in. And so the play you get is a much more what, what's a, a shallower version of play. It's not that not that deep planned organized thought out play that kids fall into. I mean, dramatic play back in the day, we would spend, I mean, 40 minutes or an hour debating who's going to be what character and what scenario we were playing and then develop, pulling all the materials together before the actual play would start. And that, that kind of falls into this category too.
1: It does. Absolutely. And that deep play is where you're going to challenge the mind and brain in ways that you're not going to get with the superficial play.
0: Yeah, yeah, and when we we when we adults put those time restraints on kids, we're we're locking them in, um, in a sense, to that shallow play because they they just physically don't have the time to to go deep, and and so they they know well if I, fifteen minutes in to, to a thirty minute session time in the block play, they they realize that well if I start if I start now, I'm just gonna have to stop, and then I'm gonna have to pick up. So why 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 even bother? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. i that that child who sat there for for that two months before before engaging do you what was what was the what what did he get up and decide to do?
1: I don't know that's a really good question because it wasn't at my site uh-huh. um, but she because um Steve is the one that trained the as a school uh-huh. uh, in texas and she um she said, can you please tell Steve that the boy finally engaged two months <laughs> 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 Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm not sure what it was. That's great. Cause I get to
0: see this kid every day showing up and sitting in the same place and thinking yeah. and thinking, and then, then he gets up and he does this, this thing he's been thinking about for two months. <laughs> That's delightful. It's, and so the takeaway is, is that we need to give them the time to settle in period, but then to settle into their play and pick their play because all, all play is, is, is child led. And, and sometimes they, they need to just be in the space before they're ready to get up and do anything.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very simple. It sounds like a simple thing, but it's hard. It's hard for us to do as adults, right? We, we feel like we're not doing our job if we're not changing things up, but it has to be the child's choice. It has to be directed by them for it to be true play. And so that's going to require a lot of patience and, uh, resilience on our part, I feel like um, to just to allow that process to happen organically and authentically.
0: I, 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 we might need to come back and do another episode on this one, but a question just came into my head. When a child just sitting there, when, what, what signals, what like, would make your spidey sense tingle to make you think that this isn't okay and I do need to intervene? For adults? For, 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 an adult, uh, you know, if that child was sitting there, would there be any signals that child might put off that, that would make you think that there was a reason for you to intervene?
1: Yeah. I think if the child looked like they were in distress, um, I don't think it hurts to just like go up and check in with them once in a while and be like, how are you doing? And just, you know, just to make sure they're not uncomfortable or they're, they might be, if they're scared. Yeah. But, um, if they're just observing and they they look like they're fine and they're content, that's, that's something completely different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty easy to read if you've got a little bit of experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there might be, there might be those odd opportunity or odd reasons that you might need to intervene in those situations, but mostly they're going to get up and do something when they're ready to get up and do something. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, this has been Timber Nook Tips. We will be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Timber Nook tips. Share your questions and comments at playvolutionhq.com/podcast/TimberNook. For more Angela, visit timbernook.com. For more Jeff, visit explorationsearlylearning.com. Like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.